This podcast proudly sponsored by Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games. In the Milwaukee area, come see us in our historic Bayview location. Find us online at milwaukeemcg.com or look for Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games on Facebook. Not in the Milwaukee area, there are still plenty of deals to be had at wearerpg.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-P-G.com. And coming soon, redwizardgames.com, your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Can you dig it? Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. Can be happening, man. Can be happening. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 14 of Man is Screwed. I am Tangent. With me, as always, is the Beamy. Hello, everybody. And we are here once again to astound and amaze you with news and information from around the Magic Universe. So just kick back, relax, grab a beer or a root beer for the kitties and enjoy the show. And speaking of astounding and amazing, uh, well, actually, I'll save that for just a moment. Let's go ahead and, uh, you know, throw this out there. Uh, I'd like to get out our email address right away, uh, manascrewed at gmail.com. And you can find find me on Twitter tangent dyn or online tangent dyn and the beamy. Go ahead and give your contact information so people can get a hold of you. Uh, the to reach me on Twitter, it's the beamy, and also on MGGO, it's also the beamy. All right. So as I began to allude to, uh, we have some. Somewhat breaking news in the Magic Universe, a pretty huge monumental event. And uh, since you went ahead and uh, brought this to my attention, why don't you go ahead and share this with the with the listeners? First of all, we'd like to thank our friends at Manitoba Nation for posting this up. Um, Nation is a very quality site. It's got some great writers and great articles, and Trick Jarrett always seems to get the news, and this will do it for you. Absolutely. TCG player. TCG player is having a series of Magic of Gathering tournaments at Wizard World Comic Con, leading to an uh, leading to a finals, a 75k final in 2011. Now the great thing about this is, is each main event will give out 5,000 in prizes and will consist of a standard tournament on Saturday and a sealed on Sunday. Which means those of you that enjoy both realms of that get your fix of both. Top players from each tournament will be invited to the play at the end of the year $75,000 championship tournament. Uh, each convention will have a full schedule of Magic side events for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 5K trials, booster drafts, seals, two-headed giant, EDH, standard extended legacy tournaments. Uh, it is basically every Magic player's dream because not only is it meant for the competitive player, 
There's also stuff for the casual player, including demos and drafts and two at a giant and EDH. And of course, you know, there's for people for people like my partner here, there is the competitive players where you can five K trials on Friday and a major five K event on both Saturday and Sunday. I mean it's it's all events are DCI sanctioned. It's gonna be phenomenal. So uh, they are all DCI sanctioned. This is this sounds freaking amazing to me. I, I just I have to look up the schedule and see where it's going to be nearest to me so that I can actually get to some of these things because that's I mean Star City Games has already been doing such a great job and now TCG Player joins in. Uh, that's uh, I'm magic players everywhere just have to be loving this. Absolutely, I, I've you know it's it's the evolution of where magic's coming to in many ways, and I'll bring this up later on. It's kind of like what happened with the World Series of Poker when it came on television. It all suddenly became the in thing to do, and all suddenly these tournaments started spawning up with little tournaments with small prize funds to now a 250k series. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that is that is phenomenal. That's amazing, and you know, it's just it's more fun for everyone. The com- competition is going to be really fierce out there. The competitive players are going to love it. The casual players are going to have something for them also. Uh, and, you know, this just means more podcasting. It means more magic reports. It means, I don't know, just all around this serves the sport quite well. There is nothing negative about this. Now, hopefully, uh, they have taken into the fact of the schedule that Wizard runs because, obviously, you don't want to have a large prize tournament battling a Wizard's major tournament of their own. But I'm assuming that they've worked this out ahead of time with them because everything is DCI sanctioned, which means more than likely they have worked this out with them explaining how they're going to do it in scheduling. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to be competing with a Grand Prix or something. That would be pretty horrible for them. Uh, I don't know. You know, this is this is a really, really insanely good deal for everyone. Now, if we want to find this, is this just right on TCG Players' main site, or is this on Man and You said Man and Nation was the one where you got the information. Yeah, it, the Man and Nation has the article listed on it. Um, it's on their main page under TCG Player announces the 250,000 tournament series. I have not looked at TCG's player site yet to find out if it's on there, but I assume if Man and Nation's posted it, they've got it on there too. No, it is, it is, like I said before, it's, I mean, you think about it, a 75K championship. Someone next year is not going to be carrying a check that says 5,000. It's going to say seventy five thousand, and that is just a phenomenal number to think about for someone who plays for someone who plays Magic competitively like that. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a phenomenal amount of money they're putting out there. That's it's insane. It's uh, it's larger than the Pro Tour winnings purse. It's it's uh, I believe that's about twice what, or maybe it's almost nearly three times as much as LSV made when he won Pro Tour Berlin. I think. World's champion got thirty or forty thousand. So this is, you're talking about possibly the biggest tournament there is. I mean that's that's a pretty big thing to say for something that's not actual wizards. Yeah, their quote is is it's the biggest independent tournament in magic history. 
Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so it wasn't just uh, my imagination there. Uh, well, check it out on Mana Nation and TCG Players. This is some huge news, and everyone is going to be all over this. Um, and I definitely I will be one of those people looking at every single opportunity that I can to get to these tournaments. So thank you well, once again for finding that. Well, definitely. I think the one thing about it, especially with it releasing the when the championship is on the first through the third, or uh, it, um, when they an- announced the finals in Chicago in 2011, you know, we'll definitely have to figure out a way to. I know I'll I'll do everything I can to get there because for me it's just a two-hour drive to Chicago. Right. I, mean, I would go there just to even cover and just to be there to be a part of it. I mean, it's to see. Someone sitting at a table playing for that much money. I mean, it, it's 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 staggering to think you know LSV won thirty thousand or twenty five thousand playing, but now you know instead of the top eight where you, you may get five hundred or a thousand at a PTQ event or you know a, a, a grand prix for event, like three thousand. Suddenly you're yeah. sitting at the table. For, yeah, all of a sudden you're sitting at the table now, top eight, going, "Wow, eighth place is going to pay ten thousand, and I'm three wins away from making seventy-five thousand dollars." The pressure now, in this kind of situation, is going to be—it's going to take players. It's going to push players even harder because you're playing. You're normally playing, and you're not really thinking about the money, right? Because the money's a bonus. Yes. But now this- you're sitting there thinking about it. This is a year. This is someone's paycheck for a year. Exactly. This is big boy money. This is the real deal here. And uh, just to throw this out there for anyone listening, if the Beamy sometimes sounds a tad robotic, it's because he is having connection issues. So for the most, it's just occasionally, but there is some connection issue. So you're just going to have to learn to live with that. And I apologize for that ahead of time. Unfortunately, my service here has been kind of shoddy at best so i'm doing the best i can with what i got okay man no problem so well i I think everyone out there appreciates you know hearing that and you directing them to that information that's uh that's a huge huge news you know bulletin here for us at mana screwed so getting it out there is a very good thing well like i said i mean you know that's the one great thing about what we do is what we do for podcasting. Everybody seems to have something that they bring, you know, from Monday Night Magic, they bring their news articles to every show has their own form of news. And to be able to actually be like probably potentially the first podcast to actually have this out is actually kind of neat. It's actually kind of fun. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. It's great. And uh, oh, that's. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say about it right now. I definitely need to read up on it and figure out what I'm going to be doing and plan my schedule around that. So that's that's amazing. Uh, what what else do we have in the agenda for tonight here? Uh, did you want to well, move? I'd on? like to talk about. I'd like to talk about the uh, Canadian Top Eight. Um, we also have uh, uh, the segment, as I like to call it now, with our hard guru from. Monkey Magic Card and Games, Ed Black, and the segment will be Fade to Black, and he has two interesting deck techs to talk about tonight, 
that that I think are very interesting. Um, we have an email from uh, a young player who brings up a lot of good things based on what we talked about last week, and that should be a lot of fun to talk about, too. Yeah, and we do actually have a couple other emails, and there was also a comment left on the last episode on the site, which we will read also. So, yeah, okay, well, let's get into the Canadian Nationals. Um, I did go through the through the article. It looks like we were, uh, this is, was this, this was Noah that was doing the, the Nationals, is that correct? Yeah, the, at, at manadeprived.com, uh, they had they had their team go there. Um, he uh, is part of their team and finished second. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, uh, to this team, granted they had their ups and downs, but if you think about it, he's second in Canada and currently ranked 33rd in the world. That's not so bad. No, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, maybe it's just that the overall pool, you know, isn't isn't necessarily, you know, maybe possibly the Canadian magic pros don't quite number what the Japanese or the Americans do, but it doesn't mean that they don't have just as good of players. So, you know, I mean, they second nationals over, is awesome. They had over 100. They had over 100 some at the tournament, and I was following I was following one of my friends through Twitter, um, also the man who hosts the site. Uh, he was, uh, Karyong Tom, he... Uh, the great thing about him is not only is he a magic player, he's also a poker player. Uh, that is another thing that has become more and more relevant in the world of magic. And getting back to what I was talking about earlier about how the prize pools increase, you know, you think about the fact that this is becoming more of more of a smaller version of what professional poker is. Oh yeah, and we just. We used to joke about it back in the day on ESPN2 when they showed Magic. And the announcers had no clue what they were doing, and it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> I mean, they made they made this look like it was the most boring thing on the planet to watch. <laughs> That's nothing against ESPN and nothing against Magic, but... Oh. You know, I, I, I never got to see that, but I wish that I had. I, I wish that they would actually give it another opportunity because I think that magic if it was done the right way and I think that these days it's getting better and better I think that if they had an opportunity to do it all over again they could do it right and then it would be something that more people would get interested in I think they just they made some mistakes when they initially put it together and it just fell apart you're watching a sports station for magic and people barely understand having World Series of Poker on there, much less having magic. But if it's done the right way and it's made to look like a really competitive event and they they operate things the way that they're doing now at a really high level, I think that they would actually be able to pull it off and make people interested. They have so many sister networks on ESPN that you could do something like that. I think one of the things that they would have to first do, and they would seriously would have to talk to them, is you'd want to go to Good Games Live and talk to them because I will tell you, they made, if you want, they talk about the leap 
um, in stand in Magic 2010, and how much it was a leap was in the game for as far as how it goes. If you want to consider what the video you saw on ESPN2 for that was and what GGS Live does, it's that same gigantic leap forward as far as what can be shown and what can be explained to the person who's watching it. And that is something if ESPN would take some of what they do and glitz it up, that's what you do. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's... I, I think it's just I you know and again I wasn't there for it I think that they they obviously had had done things the wrong way and there's just so much more for one thing there's better technology there's people that understand the event more that can report on it better there are probably podcasters out there that can report on the thing better than the people that were doing it before I'd assume so I just it just seems to me like they need to not try and, and shove a bunch of ESPN associates on it that don't know what's going on. They need to actually have people that are seriously involved in the game that can report on it and people that you know know the things to show, the things to talk about, and how to explain it, not just for high-level people, but how to explain it in a way that everyone can understand. ESPN made Norman Chad, who was a professional poker player, pseudo newspaper writer he wrote little fun articles now and then and he'll still do them now they made Norman Chad a household name and he made poker simple yeah exactly I used to banter back and forth with Norman Chad all the time actually because he did a column in our our local paper here too which was a nationally syndicated column but it was in the local paper and so I would actually banter back and forth with him all the time and he's yeah exactly one at one point in time he was a relatively unknown and now he's a household name yes and i think and if you look at the people and we get back to the state of magic and how it's how the personalities of magic have evolved just think if you would have someone like lsv or brian keebler or Conley Woods, Pat Chapin, someone like that. You put him with an ESPN clone that can just sit there and go, "Okay, he did this and this," and put someone there that can actually explain magic and have personality with it. Exactly, it can, it can work. I, I agree. So, so on to this uh, the Canadian Nationals thing. Um, did you want to go over what what actually happened here in the in the article, or did you just want to more direct people to it? I'd, I'd like to I'd like to look at his deck just because I think it's important to see what he saw. He was playing Titan Force, which again comes very relevant to what's going on. I think one of the things that that we're seeing with this deck is the combination. Destructive Force and Primeval Titan. Right. Well, Destructive Force and Primeval Titan, that's... that's. I mean, I, I would think that most people that, that saw this coming... I think we even talked about it. If we didn't, then, then I, I discussed it with someone else on, on Twitter or something, possibly. But Destructive Force, using that when, when you have a Primeval Titan down... That just meant you were going to have lands when when your opponent didn't. Yeah, I mean that's 
there's it's really self-explanatory in that sense. It's yeah, well, yeah, we did talk about it actually. It was when we were referring back to the realm racer thing. You know, it's like yes. it's like removing, you know, if 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 you have lands in the game and your opponent doesn't, you're going to win. It's it's almost the same thing as having card advantage. It's you can play your spells, they can't. Therefore, you shut them down. And that's really what that's all about. It's it's a great idea and you know, it's one of those things, will it work? Well, obviously it is. One thing I give him credit for, and this was very smart tech deck tech by him, was to add Garuk because fine, he is he casts that when he has seven, takes himself down to two, taps two manas for something, uses Garuk's ability to untap those two, put more on Garuk, and now he has four mana to play with. I mean this can this combination of Garuk, Primeval Titan, and Destructive Force together really, really, in his case, get aboard and give him way more mana than opponent has quickly. Oh, exactly. Well, just real quickly, I'll run down, run this down here. Um, his deck consisted of of four Jace the Mind Sculptor, of course, the staple. Three Garuk Wildspeaker, four Primeval Titan, three Destructive Force, three Lightning Bolt, two Into the Royal, four Mana Leak, two Flash Freeze, two Jace's Ingenuity, three Rampant Growth, three Explore, two Cultivate, and then Lands, four Raging Ravine, four Misty Rainforest, two Scalding Tarn, two Helimar Depths, two Colony Garden, four Island, four Forest, three Mountain. And then in the sideboard, uh, four negate, two flash freeze, four obstinate bayloth, two polaka worm, two earthquake, and one destructive force. So you know he can ramp. He's got things. Um, he's well. He's ramping obviously with the explorer cultivates. Uh, Garuk helps him ramp. Uh, and then he's using other things to just control the board until he can get out. Primeval Titan and use Destructive Force, and it's pretty—I mean, it's pretty straightforward in that sense. And it's a beast. Advantage. Oh yeah, for sure. And and now we've talked. Now we talk about card advantage not being the physical cards in your hand anymore. Card advantage can be the fact that when he plays Destructive Force, he now has physical card advantage because he can play cards that his opponent won't be able to play. It's going to be interesting because now you know, to have two flash freeze automatically right away and not have it on the sideboard. I mean, that's that's really aggressive because he's anticipating almost the mirror. Exactly. And if, you know, whether he plays the mirror or not, what's one of the other most effective decks in the format, uh, Jund, Flash Freeze works against Jund. Uh, Red Deck, Flash Freaks works against them. You know, most of the decks that are in the format, uh, it can shut down. But he's also being somewhat conservative in the sense that he's only running two because he doesn't just want to have a handful of, of dead cards. So he's playing it right. He's playing it. He's being aggressive, but not being stupid about it. Like I said, I mean, this is this. There are so many. There are so many decks now that are coming out thanks to M11 and 
what is going to go away soon that I think and we talked about this in the last show about the people lack of innovation I'm glad to see that people now are taking advantage of the new series the new core set and really manipulating this to go aggressive like this with Titan Force I mean you're now seeing you're now seeing the blue Titan in decks now and the Black Titan technically has been in, in a couple decks also. The only Titan that I know of that I really haven't heard of seeing much play is the red one at this point, and the red Titan's still a good Titan. So, You think you put that red Titan up against the black one, and he splits up that damage, he kills, he kills your skeletons you make. You make those two twos, he kills them. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the other thing thing about the red one is, you know, you're running red, you're obviously running burn, you could possibly fling, someone tries to kill them, well, just fling them in their face, you know, it's, there's a lot of things you can do with the red one, if you actually do get an opportunity to attack, you get a hit for three, then if you need to, if you have fling, you can fling him, there's, there's so much that you can do with, with that, uh, obviously it's, it's more of, of a red deck type of a, of a card, but it's still it's it's very good. I I don't see not playing it. Red deck wins is still top eighting. Absolutely. Everywhere. And we're gonna get into when we go to our fade the black segment. We're gonna talk about the deck that I think, as much as people don't agree with it, I think it can make it back. But we'll get to that segment later. Okay. So, did you have any more to say on uh, on the Canadian Nationals? No, uh, his his friend um, his friend from his second. He had another one in the top eight. Um, he had one guy that scrubbed out, which was okay, and he was battling right around five hundred. But uh, mana deprived the. They're available on Mana Deprived for Twitter. Their website's manadeprived.com, and they have lots of great articles, lots of fun stuff. And actually, it was kind of funny. We were talking today, and he joked about the fact that the show shouldn't be it shouldn't be Mana screwed. It should be Mana Deprived with how much him and I talk about stuff. So, it's kind <laughs> of funny about that. yeah, no kidding, really. That's true. Um, well, you know. Let's see. Well, I did want to say uh, the, the the one thing I th- found was really cool about the article is not only does he give his his deck that that he he went to uh, play second with, but he also gives a mono black control just for anyone who might be interested in playing mono black control, which is something that we've been talking about. So. And we will be talking about when it comes to our next our next segment with the, with exactly the black, so. right. So did you? Did oh, good. We, yeah, exactly. Let's. Uh, did you? Did you want to start talking about the uh, fade to black segment then? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, Ed Ed came up with two two decks that he wanted to talk about this week. Um, the first one, which is model black control, which he considers a sleeper jack deck. They had 18 of them at their Saturday standard. Four rounds with a cut to the top four. Top four were Valakut Ramp. What a surprise. Model yeah. Black Control. Super Friends. Bant. And with another Mono Black Control finishing fifth, 
and there's a couple of different builds running around for mono black control. One beats orientated with abyssal persecutors, and one is log grain with grave, grave titan and corrupts. Uh, right now, it, most of its removal does not care about color, target ability, or indestructibility. It only disadvantages it needs a draw engine better than force sign and bloods. Right. Well, are, are we like thinking about a draw engine like that new uh, that new enchantment, or is there something else that that someone was thinking about for a draw engine? The new uh, enchantment that uh, deals life every time for for the converted mana cost of the card that you draw. That was one of the things I think that might be crossing into his head, but I also think one of the things that you could use in here, although it's not been used yet. But in a deck like this where you're looking for certain cards, maybe take out two of the Sign of the Bloods and maybe put in two Crystal Balls just to be able to scry right. to the card you need. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad of an idea. I've thought about using Crystal Ball myself for similar things. Um, that's not a bad idea. Since you don't have Jace <laughs> and you won't have it in Mono Black, it's the closest thing you can get and again, most decks aren't really worrying about artifacts. They're not worrying about enchantments. Right. So you could get it out there and it'll play. That's true. Very true. Um, I definitely want to look more at, you know, what what I'm going to be doing. Because I do want to try the mono black control. Um, you know, as it is, I've run plenty of vampires and done pretty well with them. But I think that the the control on mono black can go a different direction now that there's better cards, shades and grave titans and wonderful things like that. So M11 for as much as they criticized black for not getting a lot of cards, black got a lot of signature cards for certain types of decks. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is what will help. A lot of times they're saying you need all these cards, they need to all fit. Not necessarily. I yeah. think if you would get a couple of cards in each of the control and the aggro, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know. I think that Mono Black is definitely underrated also, and I think part of it is that no one commits to it enough to actually make it work. It seems like most people have just completely disregarded it because of its weaknesses, but every deck has its weaknesses. There there are always those decks that can beat you, and it's just, the thing is, is anyone who's not expecting Mono Black can get beat by it very easily. It's it's one of those things, if you're not ready for it, if you're going in expecting a totally different type of deck to be coming at you, Mono Black comes out, Mono Black can get around a lot of things that other things can't. And that's and not to mention, with things like Abyssal Persecutors and, and uh, Grave Titans, you have some serious beaters that can just you know win you the game by themselves pretty much. So, you one know, of the Green things, isn't the only one with beaters these days. One of the things that that I will recommend, and I know you've recommended it too, outside of following us on Twitter, there are a lot of people in the Magic community that are on Twitter. 
And I cannot tell you how many times over this just last week since we last recorded have I seen conversations go back and forth with some of the best minds in the game saying it would be nice to have a monocolor deck work. Yeah, well, I think uh, Mono Red's been pretty successful at that lately. They're talking about basically making every color work as a mono color. Oh, you mean like making every color work that way? Oh, yeah. Well, that would be nice. So you, there's so there's more. Uh, we've seen blue decks in the past, but to see someone play, to be able to be competitive with an all green deck, or to be competitive with black or to be actually competitive with white which is one of the hardest ones to play even though white has as of right now I believe 12 removals to and under I believe yeah correct with um you mean 12 like you could put 12 in your deck not that there's actually 12 removals right yes yes you could put 12 12 four of three three of cards and have removal Right. Just that quick. And I'm not even counting the O-ring. Right. That would be 16. Yeah, if, yeah, for 3 for 3 and under. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 very true. And you know, the thing thing is, I guess what what ends up happening with mono colors is that it's not that the the deck's not strong enough. It's that it's too weak. Its strengths are good enough. Like green, for instance. You know, if I even in this format the way it currently is, if I play elves, I can deal a very, very lethal amount of damage quick, an obscene amount of damage quick. But its weaknesses are what ends up getting in the way, and, you know, someone volcanic fallouts on you before you have the time, a chance to put down the right card, and all of a sudden you're down to a, an empty board, and it makes it doesn't matter anymore. The weaknesses of each color is what ends up getting in the way of it being successful by itself, usually. The same with same with red. It's like... If you get down anything that gains you life, red deck has a really hard time beating you. I have just a really horrible, horrible life gain deck that I made just literally for the fun of it. It's pretty much just as annoying as it gets. Just all life gain. Soul Wardens and and all the, you know, every life gaining creature that I could pretty much think of. Even Battle Grace Angels are in it. Just all this life gain. And... I, I don't really ever lose to red deck because they just can't beat me down fast enough. They're they're trying to hit me so hard, but then as soon as they run out of gas, they don't have anything left to beat me with. And and I've gained all the life back that they've been hitting me with. So so red deck does have its weaknesses too. The thing is is in the current format, no one's gaining any life. And so it's not really it's not really an issue for them. They can just beat someone down before they have a chance to do anything. Which gives me an interesting thought because of that rare in white that if you get to 30 life, he becomes a 5-5 first strike flying. Uh, he becomes he becomes the... Uh, yeah, he, becomes, he gets plus 5, plus 5, plus 5. I don't think he gets first strike. I think he's, he's lifelink. A one-one lifelink, yes. and he gets flying, and plus five, plus five when he when you're at thirty or more life, and that exactly, I would have that in my deck in a heartbeat because that I'm I, every game I'm I'm at forty to fifty, sometimes around sixty life, 
and and you know that's that's the thing if if you can do if you can do that now I'm not recommending anyone to go out and play a life game because when you get shut down you, you just get shut down but I there are certain decks I just don't lose to because they just that's all they're meant to do is just beat you as quickly as possible and once they don't then they're done there are a lot of decks out there that are like that a lot of aggressive decks are like that even Jun would struggle with that just because of the fact it wants to win early yeah exactly and Jun does struggle with it also uh, it's you know that's that's part of the problem i i've gone a very the, the control decks that i've played against it's just nothing ever happens i i i got cruel ultimatum three times against against this deck and it was just never anything that happened. It was basically going to end up going to time if I tried to finish, keep continuing on with the deck. It's just some decks, they're weak to certain things. People make fun of life gain all they want, but sometimes, I'm, I'm not, again, not suggesting anyone go out there and try it because it is not a good idea, but, but I'm saying that it definitely throws a monkey wrench in the machine, for sure. It's something that no one expects, and if you get too much life gain, that I mean, even those Angel Heart vials, I have those things in the sideboard because those things slow the clock. If someone puts me on a clock, it's like, okay, well, I'm already up to 40 life, and you can hit me for 10, but next turn I'm just going to pay two on this thing, gain two life, and draw a card. You know, and it's like, so no matter what, in addition to me gaining life from all my other uh, other cards, I'm gaining life from that and drawing a card. And it just it's just one more thing to slow down the machine and just make me last even longer. You have there are so many options out there with that. And the one deck I saw that played against me again, casual warning. Right. Was a blue white ally deck where his win conditions were milling you with the with the blue one or life gaining you with the white one. Yep. So, in that format, it's 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 great if I don't have anything out there to destroy all his creatures. I'm not playing Day of Judgment on him, and he's got five to six allies out there. They're not attacking me. He just drops one, and all suddenly all these events trigger. Right. And it's it's an amazing way to gain life. But again, it's a situation where it's one wrath of. Or, the God Day of Judgment away from him being at nothing and wide open to being killed. Again, exactly. another example of a deck that has a great opportunity to do something, but does nothing because it's one card away from being squished. Yep, exactly, and that's and that's the key to it. I mean, the reason why I even ever thought about just doing a life gain, just more or less just to kind of be annoying and have some fun, was, was an ally deck that I had created. And it's very fast very deadly but the other thing that it does is it gains you a lot of life so in those situations where you are having a close game well you're generally playing against people that don't gain any life at all so if you're having a close game you're probably going to win because as soon as you get those clerics down it you, the game you know again I've had 50 plus life in those games just because of the number of allies that could come into play and gain you so much life uh, the elf deck kind of showed me the same thing when when you drop if you're playing Nissa or you board Nissa in, whether you're playing her in the main or board her in, uh, you know if you need life later on in the game, you can sometimes you know add a counter to Nissa and gain 12, 14, 16 life, and 
that changes the game. You know, you you may not want to spend one card and and four mana to gain seven life with like Angel's Mercy or whatever that card is, but if you have a Planeswalker that has multiple abilities and that ability that you need at that moment is to gain twelve life, you can do that. And you know, so so life gain isn't without its place. It's just it can't be your your only win like it used to be in some Merfolk decks that I used to see. Well, the one thing about the Merfolk text, it's kind of funny, is I have all these wonderful Merfolk, and they can all give themselves plus whatever and do all these great things. And, you know, I even have the old Ambassador Liquidus where you pay three and he puts the top three in his graveyard. Uh huh. There's no win condition. Right. Right. Exactly. They all build on each other. Yeah. You know, it's like. You're. you're win- <laughs> Your win condition is hoping that they don't kill you before you kill them, but you just are doing it like slowly. It's a very slow process with Merfolk, and that's that's kind of the problem with it. There used to be some really pretty decent, solid Merf- Merfolk, but in this format, I don't. I think it's a lot harder. You go even to extended, and and you've got several Merfolk that are actually pretty powerful, but not in standard. I don't think. No, that would never work. And they and they're trying to discourage. I think they're trying to discourage tribal decks. I think they throw them in there for the the people like me who were very excited to see that knights get plus one plus one and indestructible. But it has no place in the current format. It's right. Great for people who like who play kitchen table magic, or for people who for fun. There are enough of them, and I did the actually actually did the research on it after I was trying to put it together. There is actually enough to make an EDH deck of knights. Wow! Very scary. Very well, very you scary. Know, there are that many. I would say this though. Wait, Scars of Mirrodin. Let's not forget one of the generals, basically, of the whole thing is Elspeth Knight Errant, and I'm sure it's going to be a new Elspeth. But Elspeth is still a knight, so it could be that that the reason why we... Kind of like we saw Vampire Nocturnus in M10, maybe we're seeing this knight leading, you know, alluding to the fact that in Mirrodin we're going to see more knights, you know, that possibly you could build a deck around. Speaking of Scars of Mirrodin, to switch you off subject real quick, uh, this week's version of the Magic Show had a lot of interesting points to get to, including the fact that there will be a new vampire lord in Scars of Mirrodin, and that he is basically confirming that they are going to have the split packs we talked about before in one box. Really? So he, so he confirms that? How did, how did he confirm that? Or you're saying the article well, confirmed that? The sh- the show basically describes that this is what the plan is for the second set oh. of Scars of Mirrodin because they have they have they have the naming rights for both of those both of the things in the article or in the video that he shows and he just says you put them together and this this all is starting to come together and make sense that it's going to be if you buy a box. There's going to be half the packs are going to be for one, half the packs are going to be for the other. I mean, it's a fascinating, again, and I joked about this. I I Twittered him. I said, how in 11 minutes can I feel like I've gotten two hours of content? <laughs> yeah. The one thing I don't get about that, though, is, is like, I guess 
I don't know. I think it's cool that they're splitting it up, but why did they do it in the second set and not in the first set also? That seems a little strange, or maybe I wonder if they didn't think about it until after they'd had most of the design for the first set done, or there must be some reason for the split. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Well, we'll get that all together as they start slowly leaking out stuff. They've already leaked out the fact that there's going to be another sword that mills 10 when it hits. Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah. Impact. It's a, a blue-green one. And uh, Mark Merrill also uh, talked about another sword in the set. Right, which will... And they were speculating what colors would be. Yeah, the speculation. I mean, it really just it has to be red white. I mean, it, that's it completes the set because you have you've already got all the other well, now that we know that this one's blue green, we already have all the other colors, so it would make sense plus the uh blue green's enemy colors, correct? Yes. So the it would have well, to blue be blue green's not yeah, blue green's enemy. Blue yes. green's enemy colors. So the red would be red white because red and black are are allied colors, and they already have the other swords. Um, I was, you know, someone someone brought that up on another podcast actually, and and it. I was the more I was thinking about it, the more sense it made. So it's going to be interesting. I really think that, and we saw one creep into a deck. I believe we talked about that last week. Uh, with a mythic conscription where they had the one to bring in to bring in just that one artifact and just to bring in that sword. Right. And that was to think about it in a and if the sword this sword that sword in a limited format Wow is that gonna be fun. You get that thing out early, you slap it on a creature, they don't have an answer for it and you're hitting him and he's milling ten in a forty card deck. Oh yeah, not to mention well it's got it's got oh, not to mention you're getting a wolf token every time, right? A two two wolf yes. creature. So so you're gaining a blocker every time also. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun and I really think that that sword is gonna satisfy a lot of limited players and it's also gonna satisfy a lot of the casual players because they love stuff that does a whole lot of extra stuff. The more it does, the more descriptions it has on the card, the more fun they seem to have with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, the more the merrier, right? Especially if it's on your side. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm eyeing up to see how much... Like every other one of those, they end up being like three or four or five bucks or whatever it's going to be. I am definitely eyeing up making sure that I get my Citadels right away because that will be sitting waiting to go on a deck. It's kind of like my Knights. As soon as those Knights are listed, it's like, I just need my Knights, I just need to get them in a deck, and I'll be happy. Right. And see, okay, so here's here's the thing. Uh, like, they, they already had Sword of Fire and Ice, right? And, and that was uh, protection from blue and red. And they had the Oh, I'm trying. Sword of Light and Shadow is that the one? I'm trying to think. Leave. That's correct. And that's uh, protection from white and black. So all the swords so far have been enemy colors: red and blue, white and black, 
So it would make sense now if this is green and blue, the other one's going to have going to be red and white. You know, so that's that's what I anticipate is that it's going to be uh, the red and white protection from red and white sword. So who knows what the abilities will be? Um, probably some sort of extra damage and life gain or something. But um, that's that's pretty pretty uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I guess we should probably get back to uh, to the fade to black segment, though. Here you had another thing on, on yes. this. The Fauna Shaman. Yes, um, yeah, the Fauna Shaman. Uh, I believe, and that's the one thing that's beautiful about Magic, and we just talked about that a second ago, is a lot of these cards that we get, that we think we can use right now, are going to be used leading into the next set. Right. This is what he talks about. He says, the deck needs some loving from Scars of Mirrodin. When it loses its mana... Despite the fact that the original Survival slash Nightmare had creatures easier on the mana base, it had a better mana base. Decks loved City of Brass, especially with Wayne's to gain life. Ether Adept is good, but this deck wants mana war just because of the mana cost. There's no good come and play destroy target creature, but you do have the Vandal and the War Priest for artifacts and enchantments. It also wants a creature that hits and deals damage to Planeswalkers other than a Hex Mage. It also wants a good reanimation spell. This deck might be good for regionals in 2011, depending on what comes in the new shards block. So, so he's saying that this is the things that Fauna Shaman needs to be good because I'm seeing Fauna Shaman in a in a wholly different light myself. I mean, to me, to me, Fauna Shaman is the get your Venge Vines and Blood Gasts. You know, you you discard a Blood Gast to get your Venge Vine into play. Or into your hand, and then you play your Venge, or then the next turn you discard Vengevine and play your other Vengevine, and all of a sudden you've got Blood Gas, Vengevine, Vengevine. You know, there's, I see a lot going on with Fauna Shaman that not necessarily in like a control type of a, of a situation. Maybe I was thinking about it in a, in, in a way I shouldn't have been, but to me it seemed like a, seemed like a Vengevine engine, if nothing else. The one thing that I really like about the way Ed goes about things is he has you're taking a look at the exactly the way people see it right now. Right. They're seeing it for the Vengevine decks and we've talked about this that yes, it does work in that format and it does work with it does work with the Mythic Conscription and it works with a couple of the other decks too. He's looking at it, he almost tends to look at cards and sees what they'll be able to do down the road. Oh, okay. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that I really like when he comes to when you talk about stuff with him is that he's like, well, yeah, it works here, here, here. But what if they come out with this mechanic? Right. That mechanic. Right. And they've talked about the fact that they're gonna they're adding these permanent. Um, like tokens, or I forgot the exact name of what they're called now, uh, for their abilities. If you know, indestructible with Elspeth, that's why they're renaming Elspeth because they're going to say you get this permanent or token that says your creatures are indestructible and so on and so forth. It's almost like he's looking at things and seeing where is it going to be next year. Oh yeah, that's the one thing I really like about it. No, I appreciate that. I thought he was just implying that it wasn't going to be a good card right now, and I think it, I think it will be very solid right now. I think it's got to be in the right decks. I mean, honestly, even even if someone does try and put together elves, it's an elf, you know. So, so if you need to get out your arch druid or you need to get out, you know, your 
war caller or whatever you're trying to do, you can do that. Yeah, I, I see it as a is an all-around good card. So, but but yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Do you think that Fauna Shaman has the ability? Is there anything else that right now that we haven't seen yet that Fauna Shaman can do, or have we just seen right now with what decks have come out from these tournaments? Is this the best? we're going to see from Fauna Shaman. Because basically, if this is true, then it's hit the ceiling of where it's going to go. I no, mean, it's like $13 I, I think, or $14 right now. I, I don't think anyone's really used it to its potential yet, and I and I can't say that for sure, but I haven't seen a whole lot using it yet. So um, I think that right now it's the only thing really holding it back is that the main deck out there is the Titan ramp decks, and it's hard. To, it's hard to argue with the results that they're having. So, I think that right now she's sitting in the shadows of those decks. But you know, she's a rare. They're mythics, and they're stomping faces into the ground. She's still holding tight up there, pretty high for for just a rare. Um, I think that I think that people realize the potential of the Fauna Shaman. I just think we have yet to really see it. I, I, I think, I mean, I think about using it all the time, but I just don't, I'm not playing paper right now, right at the moment, because yes. I'm focused on other things, on the on the upcoming Grand Prix, really. And, but I want them, and I even want to get them online, uh, you know, so that I can actually start, start playtesting them and see what I can do with it. Well, that's the one thing that, really is starting to really come around is when you look at these you look at these decks and thanks to Ed for giving giving his time and putting these in for us again. Oh yeah, thanks Ed, a lot Ed. That's it's amazing that you're you're getting this for us. You know, the guy the guy to to talk about Ed a little bit to show what he does. Uh, he has a regular 8 to 5 job and he comes in f- straight from work and he works from basically 5:30 till the shop closes every night. Wow, very yeah. nice. That's that's uh, that's and dedication. And including the weekends, I think I believe the only day he gets off is Sunday. And if you think about it, that's 60, 70 plus hours a week, and you include the fact that you know he gives us he gives us his thoughts on this, and I mean these aren't just. You know, he doesn't write things down and it's written out in like 30 seconds. I mean, these are in-depth thoughts of what he's seeing. And to be able to have that as part of the show, it's always nice. I mean, it's always nice to get someone who, like I said, has his pulse. I mean, literally, I mean, they had, you know, 18 at there and they were talking about the decks that were there and to see Super Friends back in there again. And it's it's interesting it's just it's very interesting it's been very helpful to me it's also probably been very helpful what's going on here so no i think it's great and as a matter of fact like you know if you, if you when you when you talk to him again uh if you can see see if he when he has the time obviously he's very busy but if he wants to try and come up with at least a partial deck list or maybe a full deck list of what he thinks should be in the mono black control i'd like to actually you know build it online and and try running it and see 
see how it does and if there's some tweaking that needs to be done but just give it a go and then you know i can report back on on it on the show i i just want to see how what he thinks the mono black control can do and then try and give it a pilot and see see how it works well i guarantee that if but i ask him to do it he'll have it together for me potentially even as soon as the next day just the fact that you know to be a regular person like us and make money for a living, <laughs> yeah. And then he goes yeah. to his then he goes to his fun job at night, right? So. Well, yeah. If I had that, I'd probably do that for a fun job too. <laughs> um, well, so now, did you did you uh, you mentioned your uh, budget Valica deck? Did you want to talk about that tonight, or did you want to save that? I'd like to save that for next. Okay. I'd like to save that for next week. I just think that. Uh, with uh, with the fact that we've gotten some emails mm-hmm. and we have we have the deck from our one from our one emailer that we discussed off discussed offline, uh, I would definitely like to bring that up. So if you want to read the email, and yeah, go I, I will. I, I want to real quickly go through just these other couple that that we got really quick, and then I, that way because that one's going to take a little more time. So I don't want to get sidetracked with and forget about these people. So. Um, here's one here from, uh, from T-Rack, which is a former co-host of mine from other shows I did, not a, not a magic show, but he sent an email saying, what is up people? I just listened to the new show. You guys have a very, have had very interesting info on it, but I do have a question. What the hell happened to fairies being such badasses or are they still? And watch out, Tangent, because the next time we play, I have one word for you, Ninja. Well, guys, I'm out. <laughs> Peace. So, obviously, he's played real recently. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say to T-Rack, except for, uh, dude, pick up a magazine, maybe hit the internet once in a while. Yeah, I'm not real sure. But fairies are kind of out of standard right now, and I'm sure they'll be fine and extended if you want to go that route. I think he's got. A, I think he wants to play an extended. And I think the thing about fairies <laughs> and extended is, is fairies and extended got a couple of bonus cards that really can help it. And I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't know how that first extended thing is going to work because I'm fascinated by that too to see how that goes. Right. And we've seen many deck techs from name your favorite player, and they've already talked about extended. It'll be interesting to see what happens when it actually has to come to fruition and we actually have to sit there and see who plays what. Yeah, I think that I think fairies will still make its showing. Um it's it's got the same thing. The thing is the last time that I played fairies was beaten out by the same things it's going to be beaten out by now. Volcanic fallouts, spells that can't be countered. You know, I mean, all it takes these days is dropping a red ley line, and all of a sudden, fairies are going to have some some problems. You know, there's there's so much that, I mean, fairies that's red ley line's not going to stop their spells from being countered, but red has so many spells that can't be countered, they're not going to be able to prevent any damage with, you know, dropping their great sable stags or anything. Well, not I guess that wouldn't prevent the damage from from red, but. You know, there's just so, there's so many things that stopped fairies at the end of the last the last time they were in standard. Those same things are around now, and it's not that they ever completely shut them down. They were always solid, but they they're 
they're, they've got their weaknesses just like everything else do. I think it will be the main player will be some type of control, whether it be five color control or, you know, some variant of cascade control or something. I think there will be a, some type of control deck will, will probably beat out even fairies. The one thing I am, I would be interested to see five color control again. The the problem with five color control, I guess in my mind was, is once five color control hit, it just seemed like it it was just like fairies. It was everywhere. Oh yeah, I can't. I'm not saying I like five color control. I just think that will be one of the main decks to play. So other decks have an opportunity to sneak up on those because you're going to see a ton of fairies and a ton of five color control. That's that's going to be two of the biggest decks that you're going to see. And of course. Jund was still in then, it will still have its place in Extended now. But, yeah, that's... Anyway, that's T-Rack and his... I don't, that was random message out of the blue about stuff that he's unaware of what's going on anyway. So, just wanted better, to throw that You better that watch it. You oh, better no. watch it. I think he's pretty formidable. I don't think he's, I don't think he's backing away from it. No, that. it's all right. He, he's, he's a long-time former co-host of mine on sports podcasts and other podcasts that we used to do. So he, uh, he's just rambling, uh, probably trying to you know get our hair up or something. I uh, got another one here that just the subject of this is another, and then the, the actual te- the message itself is great podcast, guys, smiley. And that's from Tom Julio, or Julio, one of the two, J-U-L-I-O. So hopefully I got that right one of those two times. And uh, we appreciate appreciate that. that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even short but sweet, that's totally cool. We appreciate any any, uh, emails we can get from from the listeners so that we can respond. Um, And I guess real quickly before I get into that email, I will read this... uh, well, th- this comment that was left on on uh, did you have a chance to read the comment that was left on our show? No, I apologize. I did not. I did not get a chance to read it. Okay, I will. I will read it then. I was going to say it's it's fairly long, it's somewhat long, but it had to do with the innovation that you discussed um, from the Pat Chapin uh, video and kind yes. of some. It, basically, it's someone. It was question that left the the comment on our site. And I believe he kind of said some other things similar to similar to what he's saying here on like mana pool and and because they discussed innovation also. Um, he said I believe that RL innovation real life innovation I believe makes an impact because it gets coverage. As Ch- as Chapin said, time is in fast forward in Moto, so whatever innovation that there is in in that, that environment, it's thrown into the wind. Perhaps if coverage of happenings in Moto and a way for attribution of innovations made in Moto to be made public existed, assimilation by the hive mind might not be so prevalent. Real-life innovation was branding. The new deck made by... And then he just kind of he trails off like because he's finishing that comment. And he says, So, people who are loyal to the said branding adopt it. Tune it, tweak it, and work on it. And thus, the idea sticks and grows and spreads to other people. While innovation online is just the new thing, is attributed to no one, and is so quickly forgotten and rendered useless, tested to death, etc. 
Moto time is so fast that deck archetypes become like cell phones that are cutting edge for the wonderfully long time of three to four days. Which is a well thought out comment, and I appreciate question leaving that on there. I mean, that's wow. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. I really can't. Um, as wonderful as Moto has been for you and for me and everyone else who's played it, he's spot on. I mean, you can just sit there and. I'd like to play this tonight. Boom, 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 boom. You put it together and you play it, and all of a sudden somebody goes, wow, this will really work, and they steal it and they adapt it and they run with it. Either that or you're playing it, and they go, oh, well, now I need to sideboard these things. They go, they change their deck around. The next time you play them, they stomp your face into the ground because they've already adapted. It's It goes either way, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the problems with, with it is... So much magic gets played on online, and I do want to recommend that as a resource for people. People that that there's a lot of people that hesitate about going on Moto because they feel like like it costs too much money, or I won't really want to have the cards in my hand. I think it's stupid to pay for for digital cards. Well, the fact of the matter is, is there are cards backing up those digital cards, which is the reason why if you complete a set, you can pay you know, like five bucks, and they will send you that set of cards. That They're real cards, but more than that, you're going to find a different, different level of competition 24 hours a day than you're going to see sitting around your kitchen table. And so if you're trying to get better and you're not online on Moto, then, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice if you're trying to become a really good player. Now, if it's a financial thing, there are other resources out there, whether it be Magic Workstation, Apprentice, or Lackey, that people can use to play for free. A Workstation has an initial charge of like $20, $25, but at beyond that, you can play for free as much as you want, and you can even do sealed decks. And, you know, it just gives people an opportunity to play Magic, and, you know, the competition level on Workstation and Lackey is not quite what it is on Moto most of the time, but, and you can't, you know, play in, in tournaments where you're going to actually win packs and things, but it's a resource. It's a place where you can go and build any deck you want and play for free, and other people are building, you know, net decks so you can play against the best decks out there. The one thing I'd like to talk about is our friends at the Prototype. That's where they run... All their decks they make, they make, they have the user send in. I'd like you have a. The, in fact, this week's show was built around Fling. Exactly. And yeah. They put a, they put a deck together with it, and queue it up, and boom, they play it right away online. And now, now though, those guys have a lot of fun. I gotta admit, it's funny because they're like, they play the first card, and it's like, oh god, here we go, we're playing Jund or this end of the thing, and it's like, it's funny because you actually get to hear. When a lot of us play, especially when you're playing across people, right. you tend not to say the words that they're thinking in their head. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I think it's great. It's a, it's a ton of fun. If you haven't checked out the prototype, you should check it out on mtgcast.com. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. You're hearing them play it right then and there and how they react to situations. Today there was a real douchebag on there when I was listening to it that was, that was like, giving them a hard time saying they were noobs because he was trying to cascade with 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 a he played a blood braid 
and he had a doppelganger in play and was trying to cascade and then trying to cascade with the doppelganger and called them a noob. And it's like, yeah, okay, you know, I learned to play guy. So, yeah, I agree with it, you. That's a great show. It would be funny if these people who make these comments to them actually knew who they were. Or, yeah, exactly. listen to the podcast, and it'd be like, they're playing against me. <laughs> right, oh, exactly. It's against me. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, they did put out the offer, too, to play against them. I, that's something I thought about actually saying. If I had more time, I would definitely want to want to give it a run. Um, I think it would be fun because you could actually do kind of a uh, co, a co-live podcast where you could sit there with them and do what we're doing right now and have them play on their computer and then and have you playing on your end and you could be sitting there going, oh, so they're going to drop this one now and do this. And <laughs> that would be amazing. You should do it. Give it a run. Now, if we have it, seen... What was that? I'm sorry. We have seen so many podcasts now where people cross over right? and they go help each other and they cover for each other and add to the show's podcast just because it's a lot of fun. That... I am surprised no one's brought that up to him yet. I think what would be hilarious is if you take them and you do with with Big Head Joe and Joey Pasco and have those guys play a, a thing of magic workstation together online together. Oh, Oh, Man, that would be. I, I can't imagine we'd be rolling. That would be fun. I, I would. I would have fun playing them too. I mean, it would. I think those guys are great, and I think what they do is so innovative. You know, I left that comment on their, on their uh, show a couple shows ago, just saying, you guys, it's it's so innovative and cool the way you guys are doing this, and I just wanted to give you props for that because it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, and you learn a lot too. You get to say, hey. Well, maybe they're not playing every time against the best, you know, decks or the best players out there. But, you know, these things, you're learning from them how their their thought process goes for picking cards and, and what, you know, what they think is good and what they think will work. And, and they're good. They're, they're definitely good. Um, it's, it's fun. And check it out. And hopefully, you know, maybe one day we can get some sort of crossover going. That would be sweet. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to figure out how to make this happen because <laughs> there are just so many shows that you could do this with that it would just be hilarious. I, I could. I could see that being a real interesting and fun matchup, to say the least. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah, I. You know, you could see it like like I used to listen to this show called Comic Geek Speak, and they had they had a uh, a episode 300 this huge because they were they're pretty pretty huge um probably one of the biggest comic book shows out there and i don't really listen to comic books but it was one of the shows that i used to do had to do with that and these guys uh they they got it real serious i mean they had it they had it to where their episode 300 had they rented out this big ballroom people flew in from all over the place other podcasters went to it and they used to have these like crossovers like this one show I can't remember if it was with them or another one of the their like associated podcasts, but where it was like 24 hours of podcasting and people would just call in and you know be on the podcast and you know it'd be cool to even just take like one podcast 
and have them like on workstation or lackey or magic online or something and just have like like duels going back and forth between them and another podcast and then move on to the next you know show and just have all these integrated podcasts and deal with the different personalities like going at each other and everything that would be a lot of fun i think a lot of things would be but that would be pretty pretty entertaining we joke about that we're innovating right here yeah exactly we're innovating <laughs> something new here we go <laughs> well we w- will definitely talk the gauntlet yeah yeah exactly throw down all right so well uh, that's thrown out there and we definitely can uh can possibly look at that or talk about that later let's we'll get on to hear uh sam's email since we, we began discussing that um so sam uh sent me this email and he said that he had this this uh deck that he wanted us to talk about or well he said that he would he was going to be running it in the FNM and I said well hey send it to us we'll talk about it we'll see what we think about it on the on the podcast and looks like he's his, I'll go over his starting with his land I'll put it in the order that he formatted in here the lands uh, he's got, he's running 20 lands which already kind of raises an eyebrow for me but we'll see we'll see how the rest of it works out here um, okay. He's running four Drowned Catacombs, four Jwar Isle Refuge, two Mystifying Maze, five Islands, and five Swamps. So, um, okay, then we've got 12 Creatures, four Vampire Nighthawk, four Sphinx of Jwar Isle, two Wall of Frost, two Malakir Blood Witch, and then he's got... Uh, 28 other cards. 4 Jace Bellerin, 2 Mind Control, 4 Negate, 2 Unsummon, 4 Mana Leak, 4 Doomblade, 4 Duress, 2 Consuming Vapors, and 2 Spreading Seas. And then his sideboard is 2 Unsummon, 3 Death Mark, 3 Essence Scatter, 2 Flash Freeze, 2 Demons at Death's Gate, 2 Liliana Vess, and Malakir Blood Witch. And then he says, uh, some added notes. I use Jace for drawing. I just let it die. I don't consider Jace 2.0 needed. And I only have one, so yeah. This deck beat Jund in three matches of four with my friend, so I think it will work, although I will be adding Grave Titans. I need the Blood Witches for FNM People Abuse Baneslayer here, so I think it's good. And the Sphinx is so underrated. That's funny. We just got through talking about that. Uh, if you ask me, I love it. Even blue-white control can't stop it because all they got is Day of Judgment, and I negate that always. If you have any questions about the deck, email me. Tips are always good, so so is some constructive criticism. Well, your first concern and my first concern right away came up with the amount of mana. If he's going to add Grave Titan, which costs six to cast... Uh, you need more than twenty. The, well, that's 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 one thing. Um, it absolutely need more than twenty. Now, now again, you know, this is this is definitely constructive criticism because I can say one thing about the deck: the cards are solid. He he doesn't have insignificant cards in this deck or a lot of wasteful cards in this deck. The cards are solid. The problem is. Can you cast them all when you need to? I I don't know. I honestly have a hard time imagining how you really ever get enough mana to cast Sphinx of Dwar Isle when you only have twenty. 
and and you basically need a third of the mana in your deck to be able to cast him. That's that's the part that I worry about. Um, yeah, he, he does have he 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 follows the two simple rules of magic, which is card advantage and control. Yeah, card advantage not only through card advantage but through disadvantage, and he also has control, just like you said. Um, but on but on the other hand, he, you know the 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 one problem again. Okay, twenty land, two of which are colorless. Um, and then and then the prob- the other problem is like well, for instance, in the sideboard, when would you sideboard in Demon at Death's Gate? Because if you've only got twenty land and you're playing a total of eight black creatures, which you're uh, wait, am I wrong about that? No, I'm sorry, six black creatures, four that cost three mana and two that cost five mana. You're obviously not going to sack three creatures to put the demon at death's gate in. Um, the the and thing it costs nine mana, and he costs nine mana, which you're never going to see. Uh, you just and three three swamps. Right. That's tough. That yeah. is tough to cast in a mono black deck. Right. Now, now, if you're running a bunch of small, small mono black creatures, and he he may have just thrown the demon in, um, he he may have just thrown him in there to to have like an you know a couple extra sideboard cards to fill the slots, you know I, I'm sure he was just sending us how he threw it together, and maybe he had a couple slots he didn't he needed to fill and didn't didn't know what to throw in, so he just threw those in to take up the space, but looking at it, I would say it, it's it's okay for the most part because. You've got a lot of one, two, and three mana cost spells, but the problem is is that you've got you know five and six mana cost spells main boarded, and you've only got twenty mana. Um, you have spreading seas to card draw, which is good. Jace to card draw, which is good. But is there any? I'm not. Yeah, there's no filtering. I mean, not filtering, but nothing to, like, you know, no ponders or anything to, to filter through to, to what you're looking for. Nothing with scry. Um, so it's That's, you're, you're really relying on drawing the right cards. That, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, that's where potentially if you bump up the land, to even conservatively, say, I would say at a minimum 23. And he's got a lot of spells that cost two of blue or two black. Right. Well, you I would really say... need that extra mana. Exactly. I would say this. If you, I, I think you need the extra mana. I think you need to have at least... I mean, and this is minimum. Like, most decks these days are running... Most decks that, that have relatively high casting cost cards, like, you know, he's got two Blood Witches. He's got two, four Sphinxes and two Mind Control. So eight cards, five or five or more mana. Um, when you're you, when you're doing that, like even in mono black, mono black, where you're just running your highest cards are like five cost Malakir Blood Witches. You at this point anyway, you you still run like twenty four land if you want to be able to survive. You know, you you've got. We'll say say even if you just added two, you should take away. A couple of the islands in this deck, and put Halimar Depths in, 
so that if nothing else, you can begin to, to filter through and make sure that you're getting the land you need because I see that being a problem. You know, I see, like, if you if you get Hellamar and you drop Hellamar on turn one, you get to look at the top three cards and arrange them and put and find the land, you know, sift through and try and get to the land you need. That's one thing I would recommend. And, you know, not that you really want to see more tapped land, but at this without ponders or something like that in there it would it would serve this deck really well i mean even some of the best decks out there we were just looking at that canadian nationals list they had two helmar depths in there and that's a you know very high end deck you could run four in this deck easy and it wouldn't hurt the deck at all in fact i think it would it would help it considerably the other thing he might want to run is he's got so much control and so much ability to to either cancel spells or remove creatures, maybe dump a couple off and put it to the sideboard. This may be a situation with him needing the right cards early and the right cards late, where this could be a case where maybe two crystal balls might actually work, and if it's if it's a money issue, which unless you're playing top end, it normally is, crystal balls are dirt cheap. Right. And yeah. He slip those in, because he doesn't have 2.0. He doesn't no. have Jace 2.0, so right. he can't do that on his own. This does it. This does it for like two bucks, right. and no one kills artifacts. Right. Exactly. Well, that's why you. I guess what I would say is, you know, the Halimar Depths is a very budget way to do a ponder without without having to waste a spell on it, and you know, you could substitute a couple of the islands for those. And then I was thinking Crystal Ball also. But if you don't, if you haven't either added more land or at least used the Hellamar Depths so that you can get the land you need, you're not even going to get to the Crystal Ball. You know, may, Maybe you're able to hold them off with Mana Leaks and Doom Blades and things. But it, and again, even having Doom Blades mainboarded is putting yourself in somewhat of an awkward situation because you come across a Sprouting Thrinax or you, know, you, you, just, you have a lot of... A lot of a lot of cards that you got to worry about, and it's cool that he's running. He's running the unsummon, so if he does come across the sprouting Thrinax, he can unsummon it at the end of their turn, and then you know mana leak it the next time they try and, and cast it. So he's got some good ideas going for sure. The twenty land. I mean, I would ask. I guess I would tell him this: How often do you find yourself getting mana screwed? Because if you find it happening too much, that's the reason. You know, so I'm not playing his deck out, and I don't know if those really low casting cost spells are buying him enough time. But it it seems pretty pretty uh, hard to be able to pull off to me. They had an article about three or four months ago on Mana Nation. Uh, going back to them again with their teacher segment, they have a teacher that actually does articles for them. And he wrote about having X amount of land in your deck and what it equals to the percentage of getting the land on starting lands. Right. And it basically became that if you're 24, 24 seemed to be like the magic number. Yeah. And it seemed to be the number to hit right about three. Right. To start with. I'm wondering how many times that with 20 is he having to mull the six. Yeah, exactly. 
if if he if he was playing ponders or something to where you know for one mana he could start sifting through that deck and finding the cards he needed that would be one thing which i'm not even recommending doing i'm saying i could see the 20 more i still wouldn't do it in every control deck i've played i've ran 24 land at least because anytime i drop below that i just find myself mana screwed way too often I want to use that ponder to look for things I want to see, not for land, really. What was the one in Turbo Land? The guy was running 28, I believe. I think that was the correct number. was like 28. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was he was running 28 land because he had fetch lands and he had the other ones in there, too, to get the mana he needed to get to those cards. Right, right. That's a way to look at it, but... Yeah, I see the where where this guy's going with this, and I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm saying that that I think it's a great start. I just think that he would find that he's not getting mana screwed as often if he bumps up the land and, or finds a way and or finds a way to filter through it a little better. So yeah, well, I think that, I think that's good. I mean, I, I appreciate definitely him sending, and I still want to know you know how he ends up doing on Friday. If he has a chance to hear this before then, I would I would strongly advise taking a look at that. If not, you know, create the deck on Lackey or Man, um, Magic thing, Workstation thing, and test it. The one thing that he'll the one thing that we would like, you know, especially if he hears it, send us send us an email back of what you matched up against and how it went. You know, even if it's just a summary uh, I was short on mana this time around, or I was mana flooded, or he came out with X, Y, and Z right away and put me on the defensive, and there was nothing I could do. Right. Let us know because we would love to hear it. Those are the kind of things that, on my end, I really like reading. That's why I love reading reports and stuff like that, and how other people do. So, absolutely, and we're, and I believe he's going to do everything he can to get the podcast up tonight. So. Yeah, definitely. We can possibly get it out there for him before Friday in the show. Yep. So that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. So Sam, uh, get back to us. Let us know how it goes, and we'll definitely, you know, talk about it again. Um, we hope you do well, but I just, especially if you're talking about Advent Grave Titans, then also it's, I, I'm just a little worried about your mana situation. But let me know how it is, and. uh did we have anything else on the agenda that we needed to talk about here? Not really. I think we hit everything up that we wanted to hit this week. I I know that I wanted to make sure that that uh, Sam got his time on this because I thought it was important oh, I agree. to talk about that. And that applies to anybody else, too. If you're having issues or questions or anything like that at all when it comes to a deck or how it's going... You know, please feel free to ask or send it in, and we'll be more than glad to give you feedback. You have to realize, my man here, Tangent here, he is online all the time when he has time. Yep. And he is playing sealed. He is playing tournament standard constantly. So when you get feedback from him, and he says to go to X or do this. I mean, he's he's pretty spot on with this. So, I mean, you're getting feedback from someone who is in the absolute loop of it. Not to mention, the BME is, <laughs> with all the research you do, man, It's you, you know your stuff, too. And, you know, you 
you don't give yourself enough credit when it comes to these things, but you're always out there trying to find the answers, find the next big thing, find the things that are working. And so, you know, all in all, we're, we're here to help, and we're also here to take advice. You know, I will put myself out there for people to, you know, pick apart my decks, my ideas, the things that I do. And I know the Beamy will also, when you know, when he has ideas, he's going to put them out there for you. And if you guys share your feelings, share your input with us. And you know, once again, we loved it. Love the email at manascrewed at gmail dot com. We definitely want to want to get more of it so we can respond to you guys or comment in the uh, comment section of MTG Cast. You know, and I did want to also thank you know every few episodes I like to to throw the shout out to. Tom and Otwell, those guys for hosting the show, they do such a great job. They do a great job with their own stuff that they're working on, and just the fact that they put this all together on MTG Cast to be able to help out the Magic community. There's very few people out there that do more in that sense, and we just want to th- give a thanks to to hosting our show once again. Absolutely, because in reality, without them, you think of all the different podcasts that are out there that you can listen to for any form of magic you want to play. I mean, it goes, now there is basically a show for every type of magic that you want to play. There's a show for it. Yep. We talk about, you know, we talk all the time about the different shows that are on here. You know, our. You think of our clan that we're in, the Limited Resources clan. You right. think of their show. Their show is amazing. Oh, those guys are just phenomenal. And you just sit there and you listen to them. And in many times when you feel like you're listening to them, you almost feel like they're sitting there at the table with you. Oh, just kinda, yeah. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. Here it is. Yep. Those guys are those guys are the best the best out there that there is. I mean, I'm not, not saying there's not anyone that's on that level, but there there's no one better. I, li- I like them a lot, and I'll tell you that's uh, my podcast listening is a lot. And thanks to my job, that I get a lot of windshield time, and you know what I'm referring to when oh, it comes yeah. to windshield time. Absolutely. To be able to listen to these, to be able to get more information, and you know, even the shows that are quote considered more fun, they still give you fun information. So oh, there's sure. really, there's really a lot of stuff that you can do exactly what you need. Yep. And then there's us. <laughs> yeah, the up and coming sort of. It's like we, you know, the show's been here for a while, but it's been it's been off and on, and now it's it's going solid and it's going to continue strong and just get stronger. So. And you know, that's why I just you know I I, I like to thank the the MTG cast people, and you know thank you again for for joining me on this show. There's so many great shows out there. If you haven't checked them all out on MTG cast, please do. You know, get a hold of us. Hit us up on Twitter. Once again, tangent dyn or the beamy on Twitter, and the same on Magic Online. Um, get a hold of us. Uh, we're really open to, to BSing. Uh, the Beamy has, you know, he's all over Twitter. And, you know, we're, we're definitely not going to ignore you, your emails or your t- comments or anything. It's, that's just not the way we are. So, 
we're 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 actually normal people. It's as bizarre as that may seem, uh, we're actually normal <laughs> people, and we do respond to stuff. I take That's offense to the, that, man. The one thing. Oh well, I guess okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ab- man. How about yeah. abnormally normal? Yeah, abnormal, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, like I said, th- this week for it not being a two-hour epic marathon podcast this week, I, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because you're actually getting this week. I think it's usually the content. A lot of is very serious and stuff like that. It's actually nice that in this case, it's actually a little more fun today. We're yeah, having man. more fun with it, and a lot of it comes through you, the listener. Right, exactly. That makes the podcast more fun. I'll tell you, I I look forward to this every week, and it's funny. Like I said last week, as soon as this podcast's off, I'm already trying to think of what can go in the next week. So yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, the show can can incorporate more listener, and and that will make the show more fun. You know, the the less news, uh, there's tons of podcasts for news, and there's certain things that we definitely want to hit on, but if there's less news because there's more of you then that's a good thing you know because that just means that we're having fun and we're interacting and we're talking about things that people actually care about you know that's that's a good thing and when i say more of you i don't mean you i mean the more listener you know more listener feedback it just means it makes the show better so get a hold of us we'll comment and you know the interaction is a good thing that's true. I do care about the 250k though. Oh no, that's is what that I'm saying. <laughs> there is things that are very important that we will talk about because that thing is sweet, and I will be checking that out for sure. Just like the grinders coming up, and oh yeah. Uh, also, for those people who don't know, I didn't mean to mention the we talked about when the release for Magic Online's M11 is. The pre-release is Friday and Saturday. So anyone who wants to get on the pre-release. That's, uh, I believe, tickets-only events. Um, get in on this coming up Friday and Saturday, the 30th and 31st, I believe. And yes. those start, I think, at 9 a.m. Pacific time or something. I, uh, don't quote me on that. I just know. Check it out Friday and Saturday this week, and um, I will be on there when I can to get it on the pre-release and get get started on preparing for those grinders so how much now how much preparation now that we're actually getting to the m11 season which is good because that's exactly what you need how many of these barring the family schedule how many <laughs> of these you think you're going to attempt to be doing this weekend uh well this weekend probably probably only two because it's you know you're talking about four rounds so you know that could be could be eight hours just in that. Um, I'll probably only be able to hit two of those this weekend because I, I have another like real life card tournament to go to also, and uh, and then other than that, I mean the following weekend is release, so then I'll probably be hitting one to two that weekend at least, and then the weekend after that is the first PTQ grinder. So between that and trying to get together with friends to do sealed deck tourneys in Lackey just to save some money because I'm going to be spending a lot of money over the next couple months here, um, you know, that's that's what I'll be working on. So it's just going to be a ton of sealed. I'm going to be driven mad with M11 sealed before it's all over, I'm sure. 
Well, then I then I assume that you're going to give our listeners next week a sealed release report of how you did and what you drafted and what you saw. Or are we giving out too much deck tech before this? <laughs> no, no, no. I I will I will be uh, be giving an update. I actually seriously thought about recording it and releasing it in in by rounds. You know, like video wise, like. I thought about that, and and if I can put it together between now and then, I will do that. But I wouldn't hold my breath on it. <laughs> well, I think we'll just be more than glad. Most of us would be more than glad to just to take a what you saw, what you felt worked, right? Things you're seeing passed back and forth because now that we've had paper releases, people that are coming to this now are already like have. Not full draft strategies, but have a very good idea of what their plan is to hit this up. Right, right. What cards they're looking for, what they're not looking for. It's going to be interesting because I think, I think with what your notes are going to be, and definitely, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see a little. I would not be surprised if you saw a little. Change to what you normally would get from Rise of the Eldrazi drafting, which today on another on his podcast today that he or his video blog he did today uh, with with that he talked about Rise of the Eldrazi being his favorite drafting ever. Uh, who is this? You said and LSV. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he said Rise of the Eldrazi was the best drafting sealed drafting that he's ever done he, he likes that that's the best set he's the best set he've ever had to draft with um i i'm not going to totally agree with him but since i've been playing it probably it probably is the most exciting because there's the thing that's cool about the core sets is that they're basic but once you get it down you know you can really do well with it but Rise of the Eldrazi has so many different archetypes that you... I mean, you're st- they're still coming up with archetypes for the game. They're still coming up with different ways to win. There's so many things you can do. And it's it's not nearly as much about having the bomb that's going to win you the game like it is a lot of times in the core sets. Rise of the Eldrazi, you, it's, it's very, very, you know... Uh, it it really means you have to build a good deck. Very few bombs are just going to win you the game in, in Rise. And you really just have to build a solid deck and find the cards you need. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I do agree with that. It It's definitely different. It's kind of a breath of fresh air for me. I played so much shards. I, I played insane amounts of shards. And like I had two full sets of shards after I was done playing drafts online, and it's yeah, I, it's so much better That's than way shards. Too much. That's well, way way too much. Yeah, it is way too much. Well, luckily, you know, that. when you actually win things, you get the pack, so that they don't cost you. You know, like when you're actually winning, when you're playing eight fours and you actually win the thing, and you you win eight packs, and that buys you a couple drafts. So. There, there is some good advantages to playing online as well. Absolutely. Well, I think I think we've pretty much hit up everything we needed to this week. I think we need to again, like you said, we thanked the people at MTGCast for hosting our site. Oh, absolutely. Uh, hosting our podcast. We've thanked 
our listeners, our especially Sam, who sent that email, which was dynamite, and we've said it a, a thousand times already this time. If you've got something, please don't hesitate to send it in. Of course, thanks to to our sponsor, Mil- Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games. Don't want to forget yes, about Red them. Wizard, Red Wizard Games is almost up and ready to go. Okay, sweet. Uh, they are doing... They are doing massive deals on their cards on WeAreRPG.com. I saw, I saw Fauna Shaman listed for under twelve bucks. Listed to be able to buy it now. Nice, and that's less than what it's going on other places. So, if you want to run the Fauna Shaman deck, there's one to get right there. <laughs> All right, good, good, good advice there, man. And uh, yeah, you guys get back to us. We'll get back to you. And we're pretty much done for this week. Don't want to don't want to sit here rambling on so that people are just listening to you know to us banter. So should probably let them go. And I did want to also say real quickly though that I'm thinking about kind of a contest idea. I wanted to run by you, so I'll send you some information about. It. I think it might be kind of cool to to put out there for for people. Um, and did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, again, I wanted to thank everybody again for listening and have a great week. And those of you that are going to be on the MTGO drafts for M11, good luck. Hope you win. Just don't take from a man to end it. <laughs> don't let us know about it. All right, man. <laughs> awesome. All right. So for this week, uh, I'm Tangent. I'm the Beamy. And we are out. Later. Later.